0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network.
1: PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Lockdown NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, welcome to the show. Thank
0: you. Always good to be here.
1: Apologies to our audience for the late posting of last week's episode. Didn't get out until Sunday. Um, can't give a a ton of, of information without giving away personal information. But, um, there was a, uh, natural disaster that occurred, uh, that prevented, um, any posting of episodes. Uh, thankfully, um, my family and I are all okay. Gil lives too far away to have been affected by anything that happened. But anyways, uh, just wanted to, uh, say, uh, sorry about that. And we're excited to get into our episode today and talk about Sean Ryan and Zach, Tom, the uh, offensive lineman we drafted uh, this year. And we're also going to talk about uh, OTAs because those are happening. Voluntary OTAs got a lot of um, news and information for you. And some of it's exciting. Some of it's not. For example, here's a not um, depending on who you are. The Packers signed a defensive lineman, uh, Chris Slayton, off waivers from the 49ers, bringing their roster back up to 90 after. Who did they just release? I forget. Uh, wasn't it Chris Blair? It might have been Chris Blair. Yeah. So they're back up to 90. And uh, Chris Slayton, the defensive lineman, just not a lot to be excited about here because he has never played a game. He was drafted in 2019 on uh, the seventh round by the Giants. Somehow is still in the league. Um, spent his rookie season on the Giants practice squad. Then he floated around in various practice squads for the Bills, the Falcons, uh, Steelers. Most recently, the 49ers. Packers picked him up. Uh, he's from Syracuse, played in 49 games there, started 42 games. Had 107 tackles, 32 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, five forced fumbles. That's pretty exciting. He was also third team All ACC uh, as a senior, um, but just not not a ton to be excited about in terms of what he's done since he got to the league. He's six foot five, or sorry, six foot three and five eighths, 307 pounds. He just seems to me to just be a dude the interesting thing is the position that the Packers chose to pick up because this brings us now to 10 defensive linemen. Uh, Here's our full list. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. I think those five guys are the ones you would assume make the roster. We typically keep five to six defensive linemen on the roster. We're talking about interior guys. After that, you've got, uh, a pile of guys who are hopefully um, competing for a sixth defensive lineman spot or practice squad spot. You got Jack Heflin, of course. Jonathan Ford, a seventh round pick this year. We're going to talk about him next week is the plan. Mm-hmm. And then we got two 2022 UDFAs in Akil Byers. And, oh, man, I, this guy's name is so hard to say. Hawadi Pututau. That's how I'm going to yep. say it. A lot of of And uh, so um, uh, Chris Slayton joins that group. It's just it's just interesting to me that they have so much depth there. Look, I'm not complaining because I spent so much of last year complaining that they weren't bringing in any defensive linemen. Didn't have any. So, you know what? The fact that we got all these guys, that's that's OK with me. I'm excited um, about having some depth there. But this is by far the most crowded room uh, on the entire roster, the offensive line is close, uh, but they, they don't have this many guys. So anyways, interesting, interesting, uh, some other headlines, uh, by the way, is there, do you have any thoughts on the, uh, defensive, uh, tackle room there? Do you think they're going to keep five or six?
0: Uh, you know, I think the answer to that is going to depend on special teams and where mm-hmm. some of these guys, if they can contribute on special teams, there may be a roster spot for them to win as a result. And I think Versace is going to have a little more say than some of the past special teams mm-hmm. coordinators mm-hmm. as to who makes those final few roster spots.
1: Yeah, not to uh, give too much away from next week's episode, but I think uh, Jonathan Ford is going to be a pretty big contributor on special
0: teams. I think. Good that's... choice of word. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a big boy. He's a big guy. Yeah. Uh,
1: another little uh, tidbit: Tyler Lancaster, defensive tackle for us last year. He uh, is going to Vegas, reuniting with Mo Drayton. So, man, the Raiders' special teams unit is going to be amazing next year. Uh, and, and
0: Henry Black also signed. He's with the Raiders? I thought he went to the Giants. No, the Giants. Yeah, the Giants. He's, he's with but the he Giants. But he signed yesterday also.
1: So uh, looking at some stuff that happened uh, at OTAs. First of all, no Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, also, no Alan Lazard and no Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, that's a big deal to me. Uh, th- this reminds me a lot of our conversations last year about Devin Funchess being on vacation uh during OTAs uh wasn't really thrilled about that I think Sammy Watkins also missed out on like fifty thousand dollars by not showing up uh even though it is voluntary uh still I think an issue that he's not there because this dude doesn't know the playbook he doesn't know any of these players I I, I don't think there's a single player there's a a coach or two that he's worked with I think um Jason Vrabel our wide receivers coach I'm almost certain was in Buffalo when Sammy Watkins was drafted there a few years back, right. but he hasn't played with any of these players. Uh, that is a concern to me. I uh, Also, it would be nice if Aaron Rodgers was there working with these receivers. I understand why he's not, I get it. I'm not panicking about him not being there, but it would be nice if we had some of our better veterans there other than Randall Cobb working with yeah. all these young guys.
0: It would be nice. And, you know, to me, it's an attitude. You want those guys to want to be there, uh, you know, with, with Watkins. You want him to integrate with the uh, playbook. You want him to get to know his teammates. You want him to work with Jordan Love. Uh, and you you want him to help lead some of the younger receivers and, you know, teach them some of the things that he could teach them. And to me, it's, it's a little bit of a disappointment and same with Rogers with so much turnover in the wide receiver room. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Do I think Aaron Rodgers himself needs to be there to be successful? No, his history shows that he is more than capable of skipping voluntary OTAs, not playing in the preseason and more or less hit the ground running and have back-to-back MVP years. But with all this turnover in the receiver room, well,
1: yes, I yes. would prefer H- hang him. Hang on, let's 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 step back for a second too. Yes, he ended up winning the MVP at the end of the season. Let's not forget how he looked to start the season last. Well, week year. one was a
0: disaster. We know week, that
1: so. week one was horrific, and then even even uh, week two, I think, was problematic against the Lions. He kind of started to figure stuff out toward the end of this of that week. Uh, I, I I'm not concerned about him missing. Voluntary OTAs. I want him there the rest of the offseason. And I'm really curious to see how the uh, how training camp is going to look. And, you know, there's there's pluses, too, because Jordan Love is continuing to get more snaps uh, because of Aaron Rodgers absence. Uh, You know, who else is there? David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are both there, despite the fact that they're both in rehab and neither are practicing. But they're still there. Yeah. Uh, Bakhtiari, I think, has some pretty significant workout bonuses, um, if I recall correctly. I know Kenny Clark always does, but I think Bakhtiari has a bunch of workout bonuses, too. That dude's never going to miss out on the opportunity to make some extra cash. <laughs> um, David Bakhtiari, let's uh, see. Ryan Wood says, Bakhtiari is in shorts and no jersey on the sideline. Jenkins is in his jersey on the sideline and going through rehab on his torn ACL. Uh, I Jenkins looks pretty good. I think when he's out there, I'm starting to feel a little concerned about Bakhtiari. We just mm-hmm. had to monitor the situation. We don't have enough information, this is, but this is, I think you're on alert maybe for whether, uh, Bakhtiari is going to be ready to start the year. There was, uh, there were some notes about who is lining up at offensive line. I'm not going to give that any credence at all. You had zero rookies out there and, uh, uh, Cole Van Lannon was the right tackle. I just don't think that means anything.
0: Well, wasn't Ben Braden one of the starters last year at exactly. either right or left tackle and what happened exactly. to him? You know, it, at the end of the day, it just means they're taking a look at him at that position. It doesn't mean a heck of a lot more than that.
1: Here's something a little more interesting. Uh, again, Ryan Wood. Packers working Kenny Clark quite a bit at three tech. TJ mm-hmm. Slayton at nose. With Jerron Reed at defensive end. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, Dean Lowry is going to be in this mix, assuming he makes the team. Uh, We're recording this May 26th. June 1st is coming up. There is every possibility in the world the Packers move on from Dean Lowry a week from now. Whether that is um, cutting or trading or whatever, I want them to keep him for depth. And I think that he is a, a fine player, but absolutely it is a possibility for them to move on from him. We just talked about how the defensive line group is the most stacked on the roster. If you remove Dean Lowry from the mix here would be the guys that you have Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed and TJ Slayton, mm-hmm. Devontae Wyatt. That gives you four players. It's already deeper and thicker than it's been for a long time. Right. At that point, you're looking for your DT five to be Jack Heflin or Jonathan Ford, most likely. That sounds so plausible and realistic. Totally lines up with how the Packers tend to build their roster.
0: And more already would be
1: nice to keep. But but, man, you, you save some serious cash by moving on from him.
0: Yes. And, and more importantly to me, it means that that defensive line room is deeper and more talented than it has been in a very long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, love to see it, especially after how much I've whined the last couple of years about it. You? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not whiny. Robert Tunyon was spotted uh, again. Ryan Wood tight end Robert Tunyon clutching a football briefly ran into the huddle before passing drills. He ran into the huddle before passing drills, before continuing to the sideline. A guy wants to play. Nice to see him out there. Uh, I, man, I, I still don't know that he is ready for week one, but maybe he is. Uh, you know, being a tight end, he's not as big, not as big of a guy. It's a possibility.
0: I, I would love to see him available for week one, but to me, most important that he doesn't rush back. I, I It's more important to me to have him available for week 15 and the playoffs than it is to have him available for week one. But if he can come back and do it, obviously I'm all in favor.
1: Let's talk about the uh, preseason lineup. So first of all, the Packers are going to hold joint practices with the saints. Mm -hmm. That's always fun. Aaron Rodgers hates it. I do not (laughs) hate it. Not at all. Um, Shoot. I closed my thing. Uh, Here we go. So three preseason games. Uh, Interestingly, the first preseason game is not the saints. Usually what the Packers have done is, I think, isn't it, that they hold their uh, joint practices the week before the first preseason game, which is that first opponent. Is that not how they've done it the last couple
0: of years? Yes, but they've done it at home. And this year, the only preseason home game is the second one. So that's and that is it's...
1: and that is where the Saints game is. That is the second game. The first one is the 49ers. <laughs> On the road, we gotta go to um to uh where are they, Santa Clara? Santa Clara, yeah. Santa Clara for the billionth year row, but this time it's the freaking preseason and it doesn't, doesn't matter. Count.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I still don't know if I'm gonna watch that because I, I hate watching us play the 40 ers We'll see. We'll see if I can muster up the uh,
0: I the, get the, the feeling you're market. gonna watch it, but that's just me.
1: And then we round it out in in our third and final preseason game against the Chiefs. So that's August 12th, 19th and 25th. All three of those games are um, uh, the the eight o'clock game. If you're in the Eastern time zone, seven o'clock Lambo time. So um, that's about it. I think for the updates, except for special teams, Rich Passaccia is just running things like a drill sergeant. (laughs) Uh, he's getting in guy's faces, screaming at him about, uh, you know, they're not breaking the huddle property properly. Um, uh, offering correction here and there. Nice to see that. Uh, also he's been working in veterans. I'm not super crazy about the veterans that he has decided to work in there because I think it's at some of the thinner positions, but Adrian Amos, one of two safeties that we really feel are, Uh, Okay, to put out there on the field. Uh, Chris Barnes, who is now linebacker three, that's a little bit better. And um, uh, Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. So I I don't love that those are the three that he has working out on special teams. But we kind of assumed he was going to have veterans working on special teams. And I think that you remember when we were talking to Chris Jackie a couple weeks ago, And one of the questions I asked him was, what do you think is going to push the needle the most for special teams this year? Is it going to be the new coaching is it going to be better players. And if you recall, Chris said neither of those, it's going to be the players that you have taking ownership. And it's going Mm -hmm. to be, it's going to need to be leadership from the players, not from the coaches. This I think is part of that. I think you have veterans out there. Uh, and you look at the the three guys uh, listed. No, no. Hang on. I said, Chris Barnes. I didn't mean Chris Barnes. I meant Devondre Campbell. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's who I meant to say. Um, you look at Devondre Campbell, Aaron Jones, and Adrian Amos. Those three are leaders. They're vocal leaders, maybe different kinds of leaders, but all three of them definitely lead by example and not afraid to get in people's faces and hold them accountable. Um mm-hmm. You recall the story. Uh, I do not remember who told the story. Maybe it was. Uh, I'm not going to try and guess who it was, um, but uh, there was a player, um, one of our vets who was talking a couple of years ago. Maybe I, I, wanna, I really want to say it was Randall Cobb, but one of the players was talking about how Charles Woodson was a guy who kind of scared them because they, they didn't want to mess up because they didn't want to disappoint Wood. Right and have him come confront you in the locker room after a game and be like, you didn't pull your weight. You didn't, um, uh, give your effort for your teammates. You're the reason we lost. And so guys would play harder because they were afraid of Woodson. Mm -hmm. Um, hard to imagine Aaron Jones doing that. Not so hard to imagine, uh, Devondra Campbell or, or Adrian Amos, uh, Amos doing that though, I will say, uh definitely that the those uh the, the the player leaders I think are one of the most impactful factors in your team and you're not going to get that from the young guys uh I think Darnell Savage is a young guy who's starting to take up some leadership on the team but he's still you know just entering his third year or his fourth year he's fourth year. still on his yeah. rookie contract um but it, I think it's really important especially with the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not a get in your face and hold you accountable kind of a guy. Uh, That's just not the kind of leadership that that he has. That's not his style. It's not his personality. And and would it be nice if he if he was that guy. Uh, Sure. But he's not. So uh, I think that's about it for updates. Was there anything that I missed that you think is important?
0: Well, not nothing in particular Uh, to me, though, when you talk about the special teams and the veterans, I would be shocked if any one of the veterans you mentioned are actually on special teams come week one. I think you put them out there to make a statement. You put them out there to give them a little more authority when it comes to encouraging people on the special teams units. Once the season gets underway, Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that you're looking at with Bissachia, and it was interesting when I, you know, watched his press conference to him. It's all about attitude, changing the attitude about special teams, making special teams uh, more desirable. People should be hungry to be on special teams. It's not a punishment. It's not like low man on the totem pole kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think by putting the veterans out there, On non-contact, no-pads drills, it's trying to make a statement about the attitude he wants and getting these guys involved in special teams, not that they're going to play that way in a game, but that, you know, hey, if these guys are out there trying it, you can try it too, and also, if those guys are knowledgeable about special teams, they can lead The players on special teams units, even if they don't end up on them once the season starts. So I think a lot of this has to do with timing, with mind, uh, trying to get the right mindset. And uh, look, we know we need changes in this area. So hopefully Bisaccia will be successful at pulling that off.
1: Well said. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that was where I was trying to go with it. And then I got distracted I'm glad that uh, you actually took my beginnings of a thought and turned it into a um, comprehensive point. Thank you for that. That was, that was well said. Thank you. Uh, And then wide receivers uh, uh, we've, we've heard little rumblings from the coaches about Amari Rogers talking about his um, role in the team and, uh, I think actually we could have talked about this last week, but we didn't. Um, one of the the things that uh, I think Amari and wide receiver coach Jason Vrabel both said that they have Amari working out, uh, and practicing at every wide receiver spot. So that includes uh, X. It also includes Z. So you know, your your speedy deep threat down the field seems like a strange fit to me for Amari, but they're looking for a role for him, and um. I'm interested to see what he can do this season. Uh Christian Watson is another guy. Uh actually I think the only other wide receiver we've really heard about so far. You had uh, uh Randall Cobb just talking about his traits and uh physical gifts and j- just talking about how he kind of has everything you need, which we knew but still nice to hear um what a an accomplished wide receiver veteran is looking for and interested in in a prospect. But um not, not anything really concrete. We're going to see um, how the rest of the off season goes. I think many eyes are going to be on Christian Watson.
0: Yeah. Many eyes are going to be on Christian Watson. And you know, you listened to Randall Cobb, you listen to Watson and you listen to Matt LaFleur and the one thing they all reiterated, well, two things. Number one, this kid has all the physical tools. And number two, this is a process and it's going to take time for him to put it all together. And, you know, you heard Cobb and and uh, LaFleur and even Watson talking about, you know, it is harder to do what you need to do when you have to think about it a little bit. You can't just react and do it. There is no substitute for hard work and time that it's going to take. So to me, the key is going to be, Uh, What kind of work ethic does Watson have? And so far his attitude seems similar in a lot of ways to what we saw from Stokes last year. So I'm encouraged about that. And then number two, how does the coaching staff bring him along to try to boost his confidence, give him roles that he can handle now, and then keep integrating him in more and more as he learns.
1: And uh, one, one thing to keep in mind uh, I, I like the comparison with Eric Stokes. Don't forget. Stokes looked like crap in training camp last year. Mm-hmm. He There were all these concerning headlines about him getting picked on by Devante and Aaron Rodgers. And some of us said, great, fine, put him through the ringer trial by fire. Let's let's get him ready for the regular season because he might have to play. Spoiler, alert, he did have to play and he played pretty well. Uh, but just remember that. Remember that uh, Eric Stokes had a rough training camp. So if Christian Watson is having a rough training camp or any of of these other guys, just remember, doesn't matter. If you have a rough training camp, you have a great training camp. Does that um, end up meaning that that's how it's going to go for you in the season? Doesn't have any indication at all. Every year we hear about guys who have uh, amazing training camps and they don't even make the 53. So just uh, just food for thought and something to keep in mind. Let's turn our attention to these two offensive line prospects. Sean Ryan, he was my uh, tackle number seven in this draft class. Zach Tom was tackle number 12. So we had two top 12 tackles by my board. Um, I like both these guys. And and Sean Ryan, by the way, so uh, we had – uh over on my other podcast I had uh uh Coach Hahn who no huddle listeners will recall. Uh he came on and he was talking about offensive lineman and I asked him for some realistic tackle targets for the Packers. So not Evan Neal, not Charles Cross, not Ike Acquanu. He gave me 3 names. Uh and uh Trevor Penning was his favorite because Coach Hahn loves run blocking tackles. Uh but um when when uh when you don't have such a massive emphasis on run blocking and care a little more about pass blocking, there's a lot to appreciate about his second favorite tackle um out of the three that he gave me, which was Sean Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ryan has an interesting background. He was a multi sport athlete, set school records at um what was it, San Juan Hills High School in California. Uh, he was uh, first-team All-State uh, in in football, and then he set school records in shot-put and discus for the track squad. He qualified to be a part of the high school feeder program for the Olympic rugby team. Really was not expecting the sentence to go that direction. I uh, would <laughs> guess that you weren't either, Gil. Uh, <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but football was where he ended up sticking, and I think it's interesting to compare – Sean Ryan and Zach Tom, um, because they there are a lot of similarities in these two players. I think no question the Packers had a player type in mind, mm-hmm. and they took two swings at it. And uh, And we'll talk about Rashid Walker next week when we talk about um, Kingsley and Nagbar and our seventh round picks. But uh, Sean Ryan, six foot five, Zach Tom, six foot four sean ryan considerably heavier 321 pounds zach town 304 pounds sean ryan has kind of small arms 32 and 3 8 inches zach toms are uh an inch longer um which is even more notable because he's an inch shorter than sean ryan right sean ryan's arms are the thing that um, everybody notices and has a concern about. He does have decently big hands at 11 and one eighth inch. And I'm looking at NFL.com because they have a prospect grade on every player. And you know, these don't always age well. I think uh, Adrian Amos had like a, a special teamer grade on him by NFL.com. A lot of this data comes from next gen stats. Uh, actually, take that back. This is NFL.com's grade and next-gen stats grade side-by-side. So NFL.com's grade is 6.14 for Sean Ryan and 6.1 for Zach Tom. Very similar. And the Mm -hmm. uh, description of that would be that they NFL views them as good backups with the potential to develop into a starter. Now, next-gen stats has a 74 out of 100 grade on Sean Ryan and a 67 grade on Zach Tom. Both of them were projected as fourth round picks. Um, Of course, Sean Ryan went at the very tail end of the third round. So basically fourth round and Zach Tom ended up, uh, he was a compensatory pick in the fourth round. This is the pick that we got for losing Corey Lindsley. So um, I found it interesting that we took a uh, an offensive lineman with that pick. Uh, a little poetic except, justice there. <laughs> it is, and and you know the the Packers have uh, a few times have have done that with their compensatory picks. Um, one of them, and I'm drawing a blank. There was a a player that we took a year or two ago, and the compensatory pick was, um, I think. I think what it was is that the Brian Belaga pick was originally a compensatory pick. Right. And then it ended up being the exact same compensatory pick um, that we had drafted Belaga with hmm. years earlier. And so, right. and then, and then I, th- I think we took, uh, I don't know, Royce Newman or somebody with that pick, but, and and it may not be B- Belaga and, and Newman, but you get the, you get the point that I'm driving at. Yes. Zach, Tom, uh, Louisiana native, uh, his parents both are employed by LSU. His father is a mathematics professor. His mother is an IT professional. His brother Cameron was a four-year starter at Southern Miss and has played for both both the New Orleans Saints and Miami Dolphins. As a redshirt freshman, Zach Tom played in 12 games with one start at center. And by the way, uh, he ended up playing a ton of snaps at center in his final year at Wake Forest. Um I think he had 1700 snaps at tackle and 1200 at center. So he's he's played a bunch at both. Uh I would immediately just ink him in as your backup center behind Josh Myers. Uh would would make the most sense to me. And by the way, center was a backup center was a position that you and I talked a lot about a lot leading up to the draft is we were concerned cuz kind of the only guy we had to replace Lucas Patrick was Jake Hansen, and then you got right. Michael Manet as well, but didn't give you a lot of confidence. Zach Tom, I think, is a guy who you can slide right in there as your backup center, and that gives you a lot of confidence, especially with when you look at um, how many uh, games in the last few years we've had to have a backup center in the game, and Lucas Patrick had a lot of snaps there.
0: Yeah, he he, he did, and uh, you know you want to be able to have enough confidence when you're plugging someone in. To know that they're going to get the job done, whether it's for a quarter, a series, a half, or a few games. So it really becomes uh, an issue that you're asking a rookie to step into that very important position. Look, how many of our offensive linemen missed significant time because of injuries last mm-hmm, year? Mm-hmm. Three, four? Uh, at least. At least. So. Uh, You know, Bakhtiari missed almost the whole season. Jenkins missed half a season. Uh, Myers missed significant time. I think he played in only like six or seven games all year. He played
1: in like four games maybe, but yeah. Uh,
0: So you're talking about a, a situation where the depth is important, and I'm glad that Gutekunst spent three draft picks and even brought in some undrafted free agents to fill that gap.
1: So, uh, fresh red red shirt freshman year, uh, Zach, Tom only started one game that year and it was, uh, he st- started one game at center, uh, but he did play in 12 games total. The following season started 13 games at center. That was 2019, 2020. He moved to left tackle for all nine games Remember, it was a truncated season due to right. COVID. And then 2021, 14 games uh, started. Looks like he started every single game at left tackle, which is kind of crazy since he had logged uh, 1,200 snaps at center. Mm-hmm. Over the course of course, he's not sure how that happened, but he started left tackle. And then he uh, so he was, uh, let's see, what year? Um, soft, sophomore year, honorable mention, all ACC. Uh, but then in 2021, he was first team all ACC. So uh, very exciting there. Uh, NFL.com. So this is written by Lance Zerline. Everybody knows Lance Zerline regards him as a center with experience at left tackle. Zach Tom, extremely impressive in pass protection at tackle, despite a lack of desired size or length, but he's likely headed back to center in the pros. He plays with technique and plus body control, but his aggression level is a little lacking in the run game and his mass is below average. This lines up with what I saw when I watched him. One of the things that I noticed is that Zach Tom was like a finesse guy. And Sean Ryan was an attitude guy. Right. Sean Ryan was your road grader. Just punch you right in the mouth. Um, Mean run blocker. And then Zach Tom was the finesse pass blocker. For that reason, my brain would go to let's put Zach Tom on the left side at left guard or, or where have you, um, and center would make a lot of sense. Sean Ryan, right guard or right tackle, makes the most sense to me. Be interesting to see what happens because we also have John Runyon, who is you know, seemingly has the left guard job locked up. I think I think that Zach Tom would be given the opportunity to try and win the job in training camp this year. But uh John Runyon's been here for three years. Knows the playbook really well, has some good chemistry with uh Bakhtiari and Josh Myers. It's going to be hard to beat him out.
0: Yeah, he played well last year and it will be difficult to beat him out. And you love the competition, you just got to love the competition and the depth. And you know, depth was a big question entering the draft, it's a lot less of a question now.
1: Uh, looking at these two guys, um, both. Very, very athletic. Uh, Zach Tom much more so. Uh, Sean Ryan had an 8.2 RAS. Zach Tom 9.6. Uh, one thing that you notice with Sean Ryan, though, uh, UCLA uh, tweeted a bunch of videos, as well as uh, several scouts also were tweeting videos of Sean Ryan moving and just his explosiveness. Right. The guy ra- weighs 321 pounds. He should not be able to move as fast as he does. His 40 yard dash time uh, was just a five two five, five. And you say just a five That five. That's, seems pretty good to me. Yeah, it is pretty good until you look at Zach Tom, who had a four nine four. <laughs> uh, both had a good vertical jump. Uh, 33 uh, broad jump was pretty good. Uh, one ten for Sean Ryan, one eighteen for Zach Tom three cone drill. Again, you see some separation here, where Sean Ryan ran a seven five five. Zach Tom was a seven three two. That's that's a pretty significant difference. Again, yeah. the twenty yard shuffle. Sean Ryan four eight one. Zach Tom four four seven. Boy he can move our our uh, demon deacon from Wake Forest. He can move.
0: Yeah, and you need that mobility, especially if you're going to play center. I mean, it, it is always very important for a center to get to the second level to be able to block on screens and pull on sweeps sometimes and short passes that the Packers like to incorporate into their offense. So you need that mobility uh, if you're playing center, even more so than if you need, uh, then you need it at tackle or guard Uh, guards need to move. Also tackles. It's more of a different kind of mobility that Mm -hmm. you're looking for to try to mirror some of those speed rushers coming off the edge, but Uh, You know, considering where these guys were drafted, you got to like the tools that they bring to the table.
1: Ian Cumming wrote this for Pro Football Network. He says some linemen aren't physically ready for the NFL when they're drafted. That's true. That won't be the case for Sean Ryan. Uh, he gives Ryan's size. They uh, says he say has a large, burly frame and stores massive amounts of power in his lower body. His torso is incredibly dense, and that, in conjunction with solid flexibility, allows him to absorb opposing power with ease. In addition to his size, Ryan is an exceptional athlete. The UCLA tackle possesses an observable explosive burst heading into contact, and he gets to the second level quickly. Ryan blocks well in motion. He's also a very smooth lateral mover who transfers his weight well. The UCLA product is fairly light on his feet with smooth footwork when changing direction or blocking angles, as well as good recovery athleticism. That's all very exciting. (laughs) As evidenced by his frame, Ryan is visibly powerful. He has impressive raw strength, and opponents are rarely able to dominate him head to head. He can go toe to toe with longer, more leveraged athletes, which is nice since he has um, short arms. Right, and he drives smaller defenders into the dirt with overwhelming upper body torque. Ryan's grip strength is also exceptional, and he combines this with steady leg drive. With his lateral athleticism and width, which you need to be a tackle, Ryan can effectively gather opponents around the edge. His traits also amalgamate—that's a word you don't hear very
0: often—to No, to not provide his him with consistent
1: anyway. balance. <laughs>
0: Now you got to read the negatives too, though, because, you know, you're going to make people think he's the second coming. So let's.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, there are no negatives. He's uh, starting uh, right tackle. This is it. Right. All right. Uh, so this is Ian Cummings negative. Since we're looking at this pro football network uh, report. Right. They're short. Must improve his ability blocking in motion. Lacks desired footwork off the edge. Struggles finishing blocks and does not get much movement. Run blocking. Here's what I like about all that. That's all teachable. Coachable, none of those absolutely. complaints. None of those complaints are that he doesn't have what you need physically. Uh, well, this is you all can't just coach the short arms. Head.
0: You can't coach the short arms, but yes, you can coach how to work around them a little bit. But yeah,
1: you know, um, Brian Gudkins was asked about the short arms, and he he really brushed it off and kind of said that it's just not something they care about a ton. And they have, if you looked at um, guys they've drafted recently they don't seem like the Packers don't seem like they care a ton about arm length. Uh, most, a lot of the guys that they've drafted in the last few years do have shorter arms. So I kind of tend to believe him when he says that. Um, and he also talked about Zach, Tom and Sean Ryan. Goody was, and and, and by the way, you know, you could, uh, you could be tempted to think that Goody is just going to only talk up and praise uh, the guys that he picks and and just leave every door wide open, but yeah, you know, we think we'll do this with this guy, you know, but he could do anything. Um, right. You could be tempted to to think that, but he has gotten specific with a lot of his draft picks and said, yeah, we kind of view this guy as this position, but this is where we think he's going to fit. Uh, and like John Ford was a guy who he did get pretty specific. Um, I felt in talking about uh, his role uh, with special teams this year, but it'll be interesting discussion for next week, but for Sean Ryan and Zach, Tom, he kind of left it wide open of like, yeah, we think that both these guys can play right tackle uh, and, and be fine uh, NFL caliber, right. Tackles Mm -hmm. Uh, have to get them in and and see who uh, off our roster is going to be the best at right tackle. But we think that, uh, that these guys can do it. We're not at all concerned about them being limited physically Uh, in terms of arm length and that kind of stuff when it comes to tackle. So that was interesting commentary from Brad Guttigast.
0: Yeah, it is. And it gives you an insight into where he's coming from when, when, you know, he's looking to select a a player at that position. So you always appreciate that kind of insight. Now what you and I need to do and what fans Mm -hmm. need to do is sort of file that information away so that when we start previewing next year's draft, we know this is the type of player that Goody liked true, to go true. for.
1: All right. Uh, so I'm pulling up uh, scouting reports, this time from NFLDraftBuzz.com. Uh, fun site. I, I enjoyed them a lot this year. I'm only going to read the weaknesses uh, for mm-hmm. these two guys. So here's Sean Ryan's weaknesses. First one's a shocker. You never would see this coming has shorter arms than you would want. I, for I have position. not heard that before <laughs> may not be suited to a left tackle at the next level due to the arm length. Um, right. Interesting. that They singled out left tackle. Also interesting that Gutekunst said, I think he could play right tackle. Uh, also, Sean Ryan, not a natural pass protector. Doesn't have elite hand placement and takes some angles. Whiffs on blocks after beaten initially and lacks range and lateral quickness plays too high and without proper leverage pad level uh without proper leverage and pad level and can be passive less impressive as a pass blocker than a run blocker and has had random lapses in concentration that have allowed QB pressures I will tell you, this, this is one of the things I like about uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com. Man, if you ever are just super high on a guy, just go read <laughs> the negatives over on this site, and you'll immediately see that every player is human. <laughs> yeah. Loses leverage battles and plays with high pad level. Can be late off the snap. First time I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, plays too high a pad level as a pass protector and is sometimes over aggressive, leaving him out of position. But again, with all of these except for the arm length and then the uh, hand placement, I think a lot of this um, does come down to like just teaching him how to stand, how to uh, you know uh, uh, position himself for um, uh, to have have a good base, carries weight low, that kind of stuff. A it's lot coachable. of this it's very coachable. coachable. Yeah. Um, their assessment: Sean Ryan is a quality NFL prospect with an unbalanced skill set. He could well be the strongest, most dominating run blocker in the entire offensive line class. However, he is only average in pass protection and is somewhat limited by his far from ideal length. We see Ryan as a second or third round selection in the 2022 NFL draft, who will likely be an ideal fit with a run
0: first pro team, which we are not.
1: (laughs) We're not. But if he's playing on the right hand side of the line, I think run blocking is going to be a little bit more important anyways. Uh, and our run blocking was so atrocious last year that a lot of the year our running in in general just was not effective enough to take pressure off of the passing game. If we can be a really effective running game, uh, running team this year, that's going to allow us to open up the passing game a little bit more because the defense opposing defenses are going to have to respect our running backs in a way they never had to last year, because as we've said a million times, uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones were getting the majority of any yards they earned last year after contact. That can't happen again this year.
0: No, it, it can't. And you know, the, the run blocking in 2021 was not as good across the board as it was the previous season. Now, a lot of that may have had to do with the health of the offensive line. Certainly losing Corey Lindsley uh, before the season started, you know, doesn't help. But overall, the run blocking did need a little work. We, we were starting, what, at, at different times, three or four rookies or first-year or second-year guys at a time. That also probably figures into it. But let's hope that that's an area that upgrades this year.
1: All right, nfldraftbuzz.com weaknesses for Zach Tom. You're going to hear some familiar notes from the Sean Ryan profile because, they, again, they are similar players, um, but they do also have different strengths. So Zach Tom has only average measurables with limited arm length and no overpowering qualities. It's brutal. Is a bit too (laughs) lean with good, not great strength will need to put on weight at the next level if he wants to hold up long-term. Not as mean as you would ideally look for, more of a finesse player. Stronger pass rushers can get under his pads and steer him aside. Too often is pushed back into the pocket during pass protection because he relies more on precise angles than physicality in the running game. Here's their summary. Zach Tom is a quality pro prospect. He has three complete years starting for Wake Forest, and has consistently put up elite pass blocking numbers at both center and left tackle. He also displays a highly developed skill set, possessing great instincts, along with outstanding speed and quickness to steer edge rushers aside, along with the hand movement to control bull rushers inside. Tom, however, is a little undersized for a left tackle at 304 pounds and can be driven back by stronger rushers. He'll need to get bigger and add 15 pounds for him to become a well-rounded pro. That is doable. Hand that boy a sandwich. (laughs) I can put on 15 pounds in my sleep. Zach, if you need help figuring out how to put on some weight, call me.
0: (laughs) Going to order some pizzas with him at midnight. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) some
1: some milkshakes some chocolate chip cookies. Uh, You know what? Actually, I, I, I don't eat a lot of sugar or carbs in general, but I eat just a ton of protein. More protein than I should, and and it it does pack on the pounds. The, the yeah. calories add up. Yeah. We are, this is NFLDraftBuzz.com, not, not JJ Leahy or No Huddle Radio. We are really high on Zach Tom and think he could be the steal of this year's offensive line class. Most scouts seem to have him rated as a fifth-round prospect. To us, that seems to drastically undervalue his talents. We consider him an excellent early starter at the next level in the right system. Shanahan's 49ers seem like an obvious option, and thus we view him as having early third-round value. I don't need to tell anybody listening to this podcast why that's exciting. (laughs) They they think that uh, the 49ers seem like an obvious fit for Zach Tom. Nice coaching tree, huh? (laughs) Right? I had uh, Zach Tom as the 71st best player in this draft, so that would put him in the early third round. So, uh, very similar value to what NFL draft buzz had for him. Yes. I like Zach Tom a lot. Uh, let's see. Last thing I want to look at, where did I put, I think I didn't grab, uh, the page I meant to, but, uh, I wanted to look at what the draft network had listed for these guys. Um, weaknesses for wrap up because, um, I think that they just have an interesting way of looking at players sometimes. So let's start with uh, Zach Tom because actually have have his pulled up. Oh, Fair weaknesses, enough. weaknesses. Where? Oh man, they they changed their page up. Uh oh. Um, like the information is all here, but it's laid out differently. Where's their weaknesses?
0: Come Don't on. have any.
1: I mean, he's got <laughs> they got all of his strengths here, but I want to see the weaknesses. All right, well, never mind. So uh no, nope, I don't see any weaknesses for him well okay. draft network you gotta put your weaknesses back on here i mean that's, <laughs> that matters um let's let's talk about um the uh depth chart for the offensive line because I think this is interesting to think about who will play where right so I went through and Uh, studied up a a lot on the um, offensive line undrafted free agents that we had for this Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. and tried to figure out where each guy would fit. And uh, Jameer Johnson is no longer with the team, but he was a guy that I had kind of penciled in at left tackle. Right. So uh, we're not going to talk about the obvious guys like Bakhtiari and Josh Myers and John Runyon because that's a waste of time john zach tom i think is one of one two three four really four guys i would say are in the mix for starting right tackle in week one when we are anticipating that elton jenkins will not be available to play i think zach tom sean ryan Yash Nyman and Royce Newman. Those are my four guys that I see in the in the competition for week one right tackle. Do you think there's anybody else that we need to put in there? Uh no, I, I, I don't think so. I have Cole Van Lannen in the rotation as a backup for right tackle and for right guard. Also, Caleb Jones. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I post a picture of Caleb Jones. He is by far the biggest Packer. I think the biggest Packer in history, actually, okay. but certainly the biggest Packer we have right now. Uh, let me see. I want to make sure that I get this right. Here it is. The dude is six foot nine. That's two inches taller than Yash Nyman, who was previously our tallest player. So, two, But he's the biggest player by two inches height wise. And by 40 pounds over TJ Slayton, <laughs> the second heaviest. And player. Slayton's
0: a big guy.
1: Slayton is a big boy at three, four at uh, three thirty. Uh, Caleb Jones, six foot nine, three hundred and seventy pounds. This dude is a right tackle. Uh, really would love to see him stick around. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that uh, the the former uh, he's from. Uh, yeah, the former Hoosier. Uh, didn't get drafted definitely a lot he has to work on i'd really like to see him stick around though it would be so much fun to put, i what i mean we'd have to have a name for him so like the refrigerator is already taken so What's it's the, the freezer
0: and the you know the ice box and what about the dishwasher or
1: the, <laughs> the um I mean, so you got a washing machine? Is what you wash your clothes in? Is there another another name for a washing machine that you could? I don't uh,
0: know. How about just like the mountain? I mean, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, Billy Turner
1: liked to call himself Big Mountain. I always thought that was a silly nickname because he wasn't that big of a guy. But right.
0: Like, what about what about just the Incredible Hulk? Well, that could be. That could be. Uh, Marvel may have something to say about that. But mm, yeah, that's true, that's true. And. uh,
1: uh, didn't they call uh Tony Mandarich the Incredible Bulk?
0: Yeah, and, and then the Incredible Bust. But yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so but uh, I, I would personally probably rank the right tackle prospects in this order, from most likely to least likely to win the starting job. Sean Ryan, I think, is most likely. Right. Then it's probably Zach Tom. Then Yash Nyman, then Royce Newman. I think that those
0: four guys in that order. Wow, I are have my kid very, is for right tackle. I have a different order than that. What's yours? Uh, I think Yash is most likely to win it. Then Zach Tom, uh, go, going that way. I, I think that Yash will run with the first the the first team at the beginning of training camp, and it will be his job to lose until Elton Jenkins comes back.
1: Huh. I I like Yash a lot, but I, he didn't play that well last year. Um, I mean, we don't get me wrong. We were incredibly grateful to have him and we would have been totally screwed without, we would have had to go sign somebody else. No question about it, but he didn't play that good. He allowed three sacks. He uh, was penalized three times on uh, 590 snaps played. He had a 63 grade just average 66 pass blocking grade 58 run blocking grade uh i just i i would not be surprised if as you're saying he's um first on the chart like when when uh camp starts Mm -hmm. but i think if nobody can beat him out that's a pretty bad sign for the offensive line group actually i I hope that he can lose his job because I hope somebody is better than he is because we love him, but he's, he is uh backup depth quality yeah. in, in my yeah. opinion. I, I don't think he should be a starter um, um, unless he gets a lot better than he was last year. And, wow. and again, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but the reality is and, and even our coaches um, Steno put a, a Billy Turner who had not practiced in at at, at uh, left tackle at all and hadn't played football in like five or six weeks out at left tackle the second he got healthy enough to be on the field instead of Yash Nyman in that playoff game.
0: Yeah, although he later admitted that was probably a mistake. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, look, the obvious thing, if Yash is going to win the starting job, he has to make a jump in his. And it's not his second season in the league but it is his second season actually playing snaps on offense and he's going to have to make a jump. Obviously, you know, the shortcomings of both Ryan and Tom that you mentioned uh, plus the fact that they're rookies. I don't, you know, it's not all that common in recent years that we've had rookie offensive tackles. We've had a number of centers and guards win uh, jobs in their first season, but on the edge, left tackle, it's almost impossible. Right tackle, it's not easy. Uh, well, I,
1: yes, but also, who have we even had who would have been a contender anywhere? Because we've had David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Billy Turner available for the last few years to start the season. And Brian I Bulaga,
0: just, if you go even and, before that. so Sure. So
1: I, there just has never been a time when you would even have questioned uh, whether – a rookie might have taken that job because we had a veteran to be the starter. Right. Um, And, you know, here's another point to make about Yash. And I'm sure somebody listening to this is going to roll their eyes and say, dude, this is not that big of a deal, but I think (laughs) it matters because you hear the players talking about how much it matters. It's not as easy as it sounds to just switch from left to right. Yash has not taken any snaps at right tackle. He had 589 snaps at, Left tackle last year, one snap at left guard last year. But if I recall correctly, I think that he actually was um, not next to the center. I think he was next to the left guard and we just had a sixth offensive lineman next to him. But I could be wrong about that. But still zero snaps at uh, on the right side of the line last year. Right. And he's not a good run blocker. His his best trait by far is past blocking and you know he's he's average at pass blocking below average at run blocking and he's he's not a a bruiser and a road grader I just don't think he's really what you're looking for at right tackle so again to reiterate I is would it be surprising if he is the um uh, number one guy at right tackle to start camp no not surprising but Very uh, discouraging if he is still that guy by the end of training camp and nobody has been able to beat him out.
0: Unless he makes a big jump.
1: Yeah. Yep, there's always that. Right guard is interesting because it's probably a, I would say, a two-man battle. The job right now is Royce Newman's to lose, probably. And Sean Ryan is the guy trying
0: to make him lose it. Yeah, I would say those are the, the, the top two contenders there, no question. And Royce
1: struggled a lot in his rookie year, but definitely came on a lot toward the end of the sea, uh, of the season. Um, I think week eight was the uh, low mark for him. I'm pulling this up. Uh, and then he had, I think, one more game that year that was uh, a real struggle. Here we go. I got the breakdown. Uh you know what, all season long or all year long, I keep thinking that week eight was Kansas City. Uh week nine was Kansas City. That right. was his that was his low game. And then the other bad game he had was against the Rams in
0: week twelve. Well, that's Aaron Donald territory, so he wouldn't be the only one to fit that category.
1: Sure. Very um understandable. And then uh his his playoff game, he had a forty three point five, which was brutal. The uh whole offensive line struggled a lot in that playoff game. Aaron yep. Rodgers was under constant pressure uh, after the Kansas City game. Uh, week 11, Seattle, he had um, a down day run blocking, but uh, still logged an 81 in pass pro. So I'm fine with that. And then L.A., a, another down day in run blocking, but a 30 grade in pass pro. So after the Kansas City game, he had one really horrific game in the regular season. One really horrific game in the playoffs. He did string together four good uh, performances in a row after LA. So Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Minnesota. And there's some decent defensive lines mixed in there. Uh, But he had, he had four good games in a row. However, looking at all that, you don't come away going, yeah, it's his job to lose. And good luck to Sean Ryan, because no man, Royce Newman's good. I think it's more, you saw some encouraging signs from Royce and you hope he can continue getting better.
0: Yeah, I I think that's where you're at. And, you know, he was serviceable last year, but not better than that. And, you know, part of the problem, his big issue, and and this is a little encouraging, I think, in the long run, his biggest issue was picking up stunts and picking up blitzes into the A-gap those are things that you, when the game slows down, when you get a little bit more experience, you recognize them faster, you react quicker, and that improves. Typically, that's the area that rookie offensive linemen are going to struggle with the most in pass blocking.
1: Uh, left guard, John Runyon, you'd assume it's his job to lose, but he's not without flaw. He was actually the worst graded run blocker on our team last year, had a 57 grade, not good. Uh, Pass protection, pretty good. 72 on the whole season. And really, that was only dragged down by three bad games. Washington in week seven, Arizona in week eight, and then uh, the Rams in week 12. He also struggled. He had a 24.6 pass blocking grade that week, so that was even worse than uh, Royce Newman. If you take those three games out, uh, the rest of the year, he consistently graded out well above average. He had one, two, three, four, five, uh, borderline elite grades in pass pro, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games where he graded out as great in pass protection. So overall, five, uh, average to bad games. And then the rest of the season, he was uh, quite good. So, um, and then weirdly, I don't remember why this is, why he would have not have played in week one, but PFF lists him as not having played in week one. I don't recall why that would have been, but uh, he's only listed from week two through the uh, divisional
0: round of playoffs. So I believe he didn't start week one.
1: Well, PFF would have listed if he'd played at all and he did not. They don't have any stats for him for week one. OK. Curious now what pro football reference says
0: pro football reference says he played in all 17 games last year, starting 16.
1: Starting 16. So, all right, so maybe that's it. Maybe he just didn't start. He didn't he start week, week
0: one, two. did not take an offensive snap, played one snap on special teams, according to pro football reference.
1: Oh, oh, oh OK. So, yeah. Uh, and that checks out. If I flip it over special teams, uh, they do have him listed for one snap in week one. But I mean, that's not really what we're right. Yeah. We're not
0: talking about we're, that. We're.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but running on the whole season. So you would think that he'd have a really good grade. His overall grade last year was 64, which is just kind of north of average. I think if he's your starting left guard, you're fine with it. If he's not your starting left guard, that's a fantastic sign because Zach Tom or maybe somebody else was better and took his job. I think John Runyon kind of is who he is and it's fine. It's your you know starter quality that you're not mad about, but if you can get better, that would be a huge plus, particularly if we can get better in run blocking, which is a big deal for guards.
0: Yeah, no question about it. So Uh, I think he is the favorite to win the starting Mm -hmm. job, but he's Mm -hmm. not a lock.
1: So uh, Zach, Tom, I think just looking at the jobs to be won, I would say the most likely job that he could win a starting role at is actually right tackle, just because you already have two guys ahead of you that, that seem a lot more likely to win the right guard job center is josh myers unless he gets hurt left guard is probably john runyon unless you can be demonstrably better than john runyon and left tackle probably not open for business so the job that i think he most likely is able to win as a starter is right tackle it'd be interesting to see who the right tackle ends up being for week one i think that, that's our biggest question and you know what in a perfect world That's Elton Jenkins, but I just don't.
0: Well, not in week one, most likely. So,
1: And and even if he is healthy enough to play, is he healthy enough to play at right tackle at an elite level? Because this is maybe a scenario you're looking at. Consider this where your left guard is Elton Jenkins. And maybe now John Runyon is playing right guard. Royce Newman, maybe is your right tackle. That is totally conceivable. And then that would not really leave room for either of our rookies to start this year. Um, and they could both play backup roles. That'd be interesting.
0: There are. And and again, we know how much the Packers and Gutukunst value versatility mm-hmm. along the offensive line. And I think with both of these picks that we've been talking about today, you see, they can play guard, they can play center, they can play tackle. Uh, and that is always something that this team they always want to put the best five out there. And, you know, having versatile players allows them a lot more options to do just that.
1: All right. Last time I looked at the clock, we were at 40 minutes. We're now over an hour. So we got to wrap this up and get out of here. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers, at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at askmohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack
0: Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com